Good day, brothers and sisters, and welcome to New Creation Realities. And we're going to continue with our lessons in Christ. And today, what I wanted to do is basically kind of look at the context of our principal verse. We've been, in, throughout these classes, we've been looking at John chapter 14, verse 20. And today, I wanted to look at a little, I wanted to look at... <laughs> the context of that verse itself. <clears throat> and I can't remember if we've done this uh, in a previous lesson or not, but that's all right. Uh, because I was reading some different commentaries and I came across something that sparked something very interesting in my heart. So here's, we're going to begin with John Chapter 14, we're going to begin with verse 15. Now, just our principal verses, John chapter 14, verse 20. And here's verse 20. In that day you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. <clears throat> and, well, I'll make my comments later in a little bit. <laughs> um, I've made so many comments on that verse. And so here's the context that I want us to look at, starting with John chapter 15. Excuse me, John chapter 14, starting with verse 15. This is Jesus himself speaking. If you love me, keep my command, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever, the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he dwells with you. And will be in you. <clears throat> I will not. Let me look just real quick at that verse. Which verse was it? Yep. And humin. Humin. And humin. That is uh, the end of. Verse 17, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. And that's one of our terms that we've been looking at, the term in, Strong's number, uh, let's see, 1722, <clears throat> in humin, in you. And then verse 18, I will not leave you orphans, I will come to you. Verse 19, a little while longer and the world will see me no more, but you will see me. Because I live, you will live also. And then verse 20, In that day you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. <clears throat> now just with that statement, I've mentioned this before, but it... Uh, but it bears stating again, mentioning again, this statement right here that Jesus says, in that day you will know that I am in my Father, you in me, and I in you. This is not a hypothetical or theoretical statement, nor is it a positional statement, but a spiritual reality of our union with Christ that can only be known 
in the light of the eternal day who Christ himself is. Even with this diagram where I try to just convey that spiritual reality, my brothers and sisters, the most this diagram can do is be a tool that the Holy Spirit can take or something that the Holy Spirit can take and use it to prepare the ground of our heart, to direct our heart to the very one of whom this speaks. Because our union is not with a definition. Our union is not with a theory. Our union is not with a position. Our union is with a person. Our union is with Christ himself. A union that no man knows. Or shall I say it this way? Yes, no man knows and does not come by man's knowing. Remember, no man knoweth the Son but the Father. No man knows the Son but the Father. Man has nowhere to glory, nowhere ever to glory at all. If by the work of the Holy Spirit and the tender mercy and ever-bounding grace of God, we are knowing to whatever degree this union, my brothers and sisters, there is no boasting in it. There is, is, as far as boasting in ourselves, there's only boast. Our boast, our glorying is in the Lord himself. We will never not even sure if this is grammatically correct, but we will never not need Christ. In that day you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. This is a spiritual, once again, this is a spiritual reality of our union with Christ that can only be known in the light of the eternal day, who Christ himself is. Apart from him, we see not and we know not. For the soul that is not born again, the soul has not because Christ is not present. For the soul that is born again, basically the one who's born again, the born again believer, the light of his knowledge is just that, the light of his knowledge. Remember, man, man's knowledge is forever, eternally darkness. From the very beginning, they were tempted by a tree. It is the tree of death. But they looked at it, they considered it, and they thought, hmm, this can make us, listen, this can make us wise. And so there is the knowledge of man. There is the wisdom of man. There is the understanding of man bound to the Adamic mind, which is below, which is complete darkness, knows not God. This is the natural mind. This is the carnal mind. This is, <clears throat> this is the mind, my brothers and sisters, 
that governed, that governed, that was present when we were not born again. Now listen, we have the mind of Christ, we who are born again, because our life is Christ. My question is, whom of us, how shall I state it? Whose heart of those who are born again are submitted unto their true mind, their rightful mind? The mind of Christ is present because Christ himself is our life. We don't have another life, my brothers and sisters. No, no, there is no other life. If we are born again, Christ is our life. We have the mind of Christ. But is our heart submitted unto a mind that is no longer present? Remember, the children of Israel, when they were in the wilderness, their hearts were submitted to a head that was not present, Pharaoh. Though their true head was present, Christ himself. And once again, this requires a miracle of God for our heart to come from being submitted to that natural mind below unto the eternal mind of God above, who is Christ himself. So once again, <clears throat> we will never not need Christ. He is our life. He is also the light of life. Apart from him, there is nothing. Apart from him, nothing of him is known. Apart from him, there is nothing. And apart from him, nothing of him, nothing of God, nothing of truth, nothing of reality, nothing of eternity, nothing of eternal weight or value is known. We're going to, we may look at this uh, passage that I'm about to quote later, I'm not sure, but Remember, I think I think it was Philip. Forgive me if it wasn't. We're going to read it in a second, possibly. <laughs> he said, show us the Father, and that's sufficient. And what is our Lord's response? Philip, have I, have I not been so long with you, and you don't know me? If you have seen me, you've seen the Father. How shall we know the Father? I'll go on. How shall we know righteousness? How shall we know the truth? How shall we know life? How shall we know eternity? How shall we know love, joy, peace? The terms go on and on. All the terms that are testifying of Christ himself. And yet Jesus says, if you have seen me, you have seen. If you have known me, you have known. <clears throat> so once again, he, where were we? Verse 20, in that day you will know that I am in my Father, you in me, and I in you. Our natural academic mind, our natural mind, our carnal mind, our religious mind cannot conceive of this reality, my brothers and sisters. No, it's, it's, it's beyond man. It is, more perfectly said, it is above man. 
It is above man's wisdom, so much so that it makes man's wisdom seem as but foolishness before God. Man's knowledge, foolishness before God. Man's understanding, foolishness before God. Because in the eternal mind, the mind of the Father, wisdom, knowledge, and understanding are the person of His Son. Not something apart from Him. So the passage goes on. Verse 21. He who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me, and he who loves me will be loved by my Father, uh, loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Judas Iscariot said to him, or excuse me, Judas not Iscariot, it's in parentheses, Judas, but not Judas Iscariot who betrayed him, not him, uh, Judas, not Iscariot, Iscariot, excuse me, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? And I want to do, I didn't jot down the definition, but when I was just kind of looking at these passages, I came across it. So let's go ahead and look at that. I want us to look at the term manifest. Whoops. Going to amplify. And I want us to look at. This is the uh, the complete word study dictionary of the New Testament for the term manifest emphaniso emphanizo excuse me emphaniso Strong's number seventeen eighteen the definition is <clears throat> uh, I'm just going to read a little portion of the definition to let oneself be intimately known and understood. And then it has, of course, um, of a, uh, our reference, John chapter 14, 21, and verse 22. And then it has the Septuagint with Exodus chapter 33, verse 13. And I want us to go ahead and read that. So let me go. Exodus chapter 33, verse 13. Let me pull up the Septuagint real quick. Give me a second. Parallel. Let's see which one I have it in. Well, let me go back. Give me just a second. I didn't have it printed out. So it's taking me a moment. All right. Exodus chapter 33. 
verse 13. Let's see, where are we? Hmm. Here's the <clears throat> Brenton, Brenton's translation. Brenton, whoops, I just changed it. Brenton translation of the Septuagint. This is, all right, let me, let me go ahead and read uh, once again. Where were we, the verse? John chapter 14, verse 21. He who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me, and he who loves me will be loved of my Father. And I will love him and manifest myself to him. That's the word we're looking at, manifest. Emphaniso. <clears throat> Forgive me, I'm in pronunciation. Emphaniso. And once again, from the Complete Word Study Dictionary of the New Testament, it's towards the end, it says, to let oneself be intimately known and understood. And it gives our references for John chapter 14, verse 21, that I just read, and verse 22. And then here is the Septuagint, the Brenton translation for Exodus chapter 33, verse 13, that they also mention in the Complete Word Study Dictionary. And this is Moses speaking to the Lord. If then I have found favor in thy sight, reveal thyself to me that I may evidently see thee, that I may find favor in thy sight, and that I may know that this great nation is thy people. If then I have found favor in thy sight, reveal thyself to me, that I may evidently see thee. <clears throat> that just... <laughs> One of the things that Moses asked for was that God was that for God to reveal himself to him so that he could be known so that God could let himself be intimately known and understood and this is Moses brothers and sisters this is one whom all the Jews hold in high esteem, uh, even believers, I would say, that study the old the Old Testament, is a beautiful a beautiful testimony of Christ with Moses is what we have. Could be considered one of the great leaders of the Old Testament. I mean, they 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 pretty much wrap up the law with Moses, and. Here is Jesus in John chapter 14, speaking to his disciples. Those whom he called, who by the work of the Spirit received him, in a sense, who followed him, who abode with him, who would be born again. And this is what he says. 
He who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me, and he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. The very same thing that Moses asked asked for. I know that the disciples will go on to be uh, called apostles, and we we tend to differentiate um, for whatever reason. Uh, it's, it's just man. It's just something in man, <clears throat> the natural mind. We we tend to put a gosh, like like a, oh yes, but those are the apostles, and this is just us. Those are them, but this is just us. That. I'll use this word. They're special, but we're just kind of his body. My brothers and sisters in the body of Christ, there's only one who's special. That is Christ himself, who is the head, the one, the, the one who should always be held in high esteem. And every single other born-again believer is just a member of his body. This that Jesus spoke to his disciples who would be born again, who would be members of his body, I believe is for us as well, who are members of his body as well. To let oneself be intimately known and understood. He who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me, and he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Verse 22, Judas, Judas, not, I've got to like circle that word, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Verse 23, Jesus answered and said to him, (laughs) it's almost like if Jesus, I mean, I'll read it and then just think about this. Jesus makes a statement. Judas asks a question, so why are you going to manifest yourself to us and not to the world? And then Jesus kind of like, it almost as if like he ignores the question. Listen to what he said. Or he says, yeah, where is it? Verse 23. Listen, listen to what he says. Jesus answered and said to him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my words and my father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. He who does not love me does not keep my words, and the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. Those who love the Lord are the ones in whom God has performed a miracle to receive and love such a one. This is the Apostle John who wrote the book of John. He later goes on to say, we love him because he first loved us. The Apostle John was made known this love by God the Father. Because the love of God is Christ himself. God is love. And yet once again, we hear Jesus saying, if you've seen the Father, excuse me, if you've seen me, you have seen the Father. If you've known me, you've known the Father.
It requires a miracle of God to come unto Christ. Nothing less than a miracle to come unto Christ. To believe God, that Jesus is the Christ, and then to receive the one whom God offers. It also requires a miracle of God, my brothers and sisters, to continue coming in knowledge unto the one we have received in reality, the moment of new birth. No man can come to me except the Father draw him. First at the moment of new birth, reality, then the heart turning, coming from the knowledge of man unto the knowledge of God by the work of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit himself bringing the heart unto Christ, the perfect knowledge, the perfect eternal knowledge of God. It's impossible for one who is not born again to know Christ. It's, it's impossible. It's impossible for one who is born again to know Christ by their own ability. Both require a miracle of God, my brothers and sisters. One is for the moment of new birth, then for the knowledge of new birth, who is Christ himself. All right, I'll go on. <clears throat> So, where were we? One of the words that struck me interesting is the word keeps. Strong's number 50, 83. Teron, the Greek. It's where Jesus says, He who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. And I just looked up the definition in a strong Greek dictionary. I'll just go ahead and read it. Uh, it's from Teros, a watch perhaps akin to Strong's number uh, 2334. And why I have that circled, we're about to find out. Let's go back. Where were we? <clears throat> oh, excuse me. I'm in the wrong passage. All right. Or was it? It was Strong's, yeah. Excuse me. Verse 21. The word is keeps. Strong's number 2334. Theoreo. It is from a derivative of 2300, perhaps by addition of 30. 708, to be a spectator of, that is, discern, experience, or intensively acknowledge. Translated into the English, behold, consider, look on, perceive, see. So, uh, once again, our term, keeps. He who has my commandments and keeps them, the word keeps is what we're looking at, a watch, perhaps akin to Strong's number 2334 that we just looked at, to guard from loss or injury properly uh, by keeping the eye upon, and then it goes on, that is, to note a prophecy figuratively, to fulfill a command, 
translated into the English as hold fast, keep, keeper, preserve, reserve, watch. And that's just a strong definition. I was talking to my bride, my, <laughs> I was going to say my bride, <laughs> my wife. <clears throat> and um, we were just talking about that because this, this, this term, uh, keeping the commandments is just kind of like, oh, I'm kind of like wrestling with it before the Lord. And ultimately, my brothers and sisters, just it, it is it, it's about. I'll give this example. We can know what this verse means. He who has my commandments and keeps them is he who loves me just as much. We can know this verse that preceded it in that day. You will know. I am in my father, you and me and I in you. I'm in my Father, you in me, and I in you. The natural mind cannot wrap that. We can't wrap that around our natural mind, our natural brain. No, we, we, what you can't even, an, an abstract artist cannot even come close to this statement. I'm in my Father, you in me, and I in you. I actually had an artist try to draw that for me one time, and they came out with like a weird kind of, three-dimensional piece of art. And yet that didn't even give it justice. No, as, as I stated earlier in the class, not even this diagram that I have behind me does it justice. The most, the most that it can do is the Holy Spirit can take it, use it to prepare the ground of our heart, to bring our heart unto God's knowledge of His Son. So I just wanted to state that. <clears throat> All right, going on with John chapter 17, verse 20 through 24. I do not pray, you see, start, starting with verse 20, I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me. And that's uh, not the word we've been looking at, N, Strong's number 1722. It's actually ace, ace, M-A, through their word, verse 21, that they all may be one. As you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be, may, may be in us. And I omitted the word one, where it says they may also be one in us, because um, I think some of the earlier manuscripts didn't include that there. So that they may, so that they also may be in us, that the world may believe that you sent me, and the glory which you gave me, I have given them, that they may be one, just as we are one. And here the Lord Himself defines it, verse twenty-three: "I in them, you in me, and emoi." That's one of the that's terms that we're looking at. You in me that they may be made perfect in one. And that word in is ace, strong number 1519, but the word one is there. And that the and that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved me as you have loved, excuse me, and have loved them as you have loved me. Father, I desire that they also whom you gave me may be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory. Here we go, may behold, so that they may behold my glory, which you have given me, for you loved me before the foundation of the world. 
But <clears throat> just a couple things right here that got my attention were this right here, that the world may believe. Well, let me go ahead and read up to it. I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they all may be one, as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. And the glory which you gave me, I have given them, that they may be one, just as we are one, I in them, and you in me, that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that you have sent me. That the world may believe, and that the world may know that the Father has sent his Son Remember my statement, whether it be grammatically correct or grammatically incorrect, it still stands true. We will never not need Christ. That the world may believe that you sent me. The expectation that the scriptures that the testimony give is for the Son of God, the Messiah. The religious world of Jesus' time rejected the Messiah. In fact, they didn't believe that God had sent him. But everything God himself bound up in his son. All right. To reject the son is to reject everything and anything that God has ever offered unto the soul. Everything and anything that God has created and purposed the soul for. He, Jesus, is it. My brothers and sisters, we who have by the grace of God and the ability of God through a work of the Holy Spirit, we have believed God, we have believed his Messiah, his Son, his Christ, so much so that by the work, the same work of the Holy Spirit, we have been able to receive this one. And yet to walk in light, in that day you will know, still requires a miracle of God. Listen, my brothers and sisters, walking in the light is finding everything of God in the person of Jesus Christ. Because it is walking in the light of his countenance and no longer in the darkened countenance of the Adamic man, the first man, Adam. 
Remember our previous class? Jesus walked in the light of the countenance of his Father. There was light in him, my brothers and sisters. We who are born again, we who are born again, who have life, whom of us, or of whom of us are our hearts, submitted in knowledge and therefore the knowledge of God, submitted unto the knowledge of God, and therefore walking in the light of the countenance of Christ himself. Finding everything of God in the person of Jesus Christ. This, my brothers and sisters, requires a miracle of God. For the disciples who followed Jesus, it was a miracle of God that caused them to respond and follow him. The scripture is true. He came to his own, his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. Who were not born of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of the spirit. A miracle of God to follow Jesus. A miracle of God to be born again. And a miracle of God, listen to what I say, a miracle of God to find all things of God, all things declared of in the scriptures in the face of Jesus Christ. In he himself and nothing, no thing, T-H-I-N-G, less. That the world may believe you sent me and that the world may know that you have sent me. It's like, what's the expectation of the Jews during that time when Jesus appeared? Their expectation was for a Messiah. Of course, when God sent his Messiah, they rejected him because they did not, they did not in him, they did not in him find their concept of the Messiah. And I say concept, my brothers and sisters, because that is what they had. They took an expectation that is truly found in the scriptures, in the testimony, God-given. They took that expectation, and with that, they formulated their concept. A concept from man, man's concept. that comes from the natural mind, the carnal mind, the Adamic mind. And man's concept, my brothers and sisters, is not God's son. God does not present a concept. God presents his only beloved son. He will forever do this, my brothers and sisters. We and we, we, we who are born again. Where's our expectation? Is it based upon our concept? Or is it a true expectation put there by God himself? But not for us who are born again, not to receive his Messiah, not to receive his Christ, for we have already already done this by the work of the Holy Spirit. Therefore, we're born again. But the expectation is now 
to know the one we have received. The Apostle Paul said it this way, that I may know him. And then he goes on, but he says, that I may know him. The salvation of God is a him, H-I-M. The expectation of God, hidden in the scriptures, hidden in the testimony, is of a him, H-I-M, Christ himself. With this, where Jesus says, in that day, you will know I am in my Father, you are in me, and I am in you. Paul, the Apostle Paul, he knew where he was. Let's read it in Ephesians. This is, uh, if I can find it, (laughs) Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1. Just by the very verse, I'm going to say that Paul at this time, he was in prison. But listen to what he says. I therefore the prisoner... Let me read it over here. The King James and New King James have of, but I just want to look at something. Yeah, that's what I thought. The, the, the Greek is N, Strong's number, 1722. I therefore the prisoner N, Curio, in the Lord. I therefore the prisoner. It doesn't matter the, the the it doesn't matter the situation or state that the natural body finds itself in, whether it be free or not free, whether it be walking at liberty or being bound as a prisoner, like here, Paul. I therefore the prisoner in the Lord. Nothing's changed. Nothing has changed. Paul knows where he is. In fact, Paul knows where the believer is. Paul knows where the church is. Because Paul himself, by the Holy Spirit, walked in the light of the countenance of Christ. Paul walked in the eternal day who Christ himself is. The light of the eternal day who is Christ himself. All right, 1 John chapter 2, verse 3 through 6. Now by this we know that we know him, if we keep his commandments. There's the word keep again. He who says, I know him, and does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. Verse 5, but whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected in him, in that believer. By this we know that we are in him. There's one of our words, en auto, in him. Verse 6, he who says he abides in him, there it is again, in auto, ought himself also to walk just as he walked. And I like that. He who says he abides in him. Remember the beginning of the the class? Or actually, I can't remember at what point I stated it, but I'll state it again. Jesus, when he was... Sent of the Father, Jesus walked before the countenance of his Father. He he found everything he desired to find 
in the person of his father. He found it in his father. He walked in the light of the countenance of his father. Therefore, he automatically said, not I, but the father. Not my words, the father in me doeth the work. Not I, but the father. This is the apostle John. 1 John chapter 2, verse 6. He who says he abides in him ought himself also to walk just as he walked. If our hearts, by the work of the Holy Spirit, my brothers and sisters, are abiding where our soul is since the moment of new birth, then we will begin, by that same work of the Holy Spirit, we will begin to walk in the light of his countenance and no longer in the light or the darkened countenance of the Adamic man. Because the light that is found in the countenance of Adam, my brothers and sisters, is darkness. No light at all. So John can say it plainly. He who says he abides in him ought himself also to walk, just as he walked. And if by the work of the Holy Spirit we are abiding where our life is found, and we are walking before the countenance of Christ, the light of the countenance of Christ himself, we will automatically declare just the same, it is not I, but Christ. This is not a, a doctrinal statement. This is not a, a confession of faith. This is not, as we, as we would understand something like that, this is not a, uh, gosh, a deeper life statement Something, this is not anything that we can be that we can grasp, my brothers and sisters, learn, study, dissect, and declare unto others. No, no, no. This is just automatic, having seen him who is our life. That it's just automatic. You, you automatically declare what you know. Here's my example. I don't know if you can see it or not, but what color is my pen? By the observation, you've made a judgment because the whole thing is a particular color. And if you said red, I would say, uh, yes, you're correct as far as the outward shell of this pen, shell of the pen. And actually, when I write, it is red as well. Was that a doctrinal statement that you made? Was that hard? Did you have to learn that? Did you have to memorize that? Did you have to study that? for my big quiz when I asked you what color it was. No, you didn't have to do any of that. That was automatic based on a judgment of you beholding it, of you seeing it with your natural eye. Therefore, you made a judgment with your natural senses and your judgment was correct in the natural realm. We automatically declare that it is not I Listen, brothers and sisters, not I as in not my concept of what I believe is my life. 
not my concept of what I believe, my concept of what I believe is my life. But I've seen not only my life, my brothers and sisters, the only life there is. And you walk in the light of his countenance, the only light there is. That was First John chapter 2. I want us to read uh, First John, well, Yes. First John chapter four, verse 16. Let me put little stars here. I've got so much in my notes that I need to keep track of actually what I'm touching on. This is first John chapter four, verses 12 through 16. No one has seen God at any time. And yet Jesus, remember, Jesus himself says, if you've seen me, you've seen the father. Now, the rumor I told you I had it in my notes, we'd probably be reading it. Let's go there. John chapter 14, we started with John chapter 14, but we're going to go even earlier, a few verses earlier, starting with verse 8. Philip said to him, now look at, look at the whole context. We're bringing in a greater context for the verse of John chapter 14, verse 20. In that day, you will know I am in my Father. You are in me, and I, am in, and I am in you. Here's some more of the context. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is sufficient for us. Verse 9, Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long, and yet you have not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? The fact is, Philip, you know not, because you have truly not seen Verse 10, do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father in me? The words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does the works. Not I, but the Father. Verse 11, oh, actually I just, believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me for the sake of the works themselves. I just had verse uh Eight through nine. Here we go. Have I been with you so long, and yet you have not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? Here's my comment with that. Oh, yeah, here it is. Listen, we want God, and I'll just put we because I didn't have it there. We want God, and we want what God gives We just don't want Christ. Now, let me rephrase that. As I've said it this way before in different classes, and I'm marking here so I make sure to Say it this way when I say this. Okay. We want God, and this is for non-believer as much as it is 
for the believer. We want God and we want what God gives. We just don't want to find it in the person of Christ. Here's my statement from earlier. We will never not need Christ. Everything is bound in the person of Christ, the Son of God. Everything. I mean, not knowingly, Philip is like, show us the Father. I want to see the Father. My brothers and sisters, to see, to know the Father is when we have seen and known Christ his Son. I want the salvation of God. To receive the the salvation of God is to receive Christ the Son. I want to know this great salvation that God has given. To know this great salvation that God has given is to know his Son, because it is Son, it is His Son Himself whom He has given. Everything is bound up with the Son. Everything. Goes on. No one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us, and His love has been perfected in us. By this, we know that we abide in Him and He in us, because He has given us of His Spirit, and we have seen and testify that the Father sent the Son as Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. And we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love, and he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. All right, I've got one last passage here. It is Galatians chapter 2, verses 19 through 21, where Paul says he's crucified with Christ. So verse uh, 19, and I've got, wow. Verse 19, for I through the law died to the law. Let's see, let me look at that commentary first. Yeah, I'll go ahead and read it. I through the law died to the law that I might live to God. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. Not I, but Christ. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God. That's what I want us to look at, that phrase. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God. Who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died in vain. This is the uh, Comfort Manuscripts commentary concerning that phrase, the, the now, which I now live in the flesh. Here's the phrase I live by the faith of the Son of God. It says, The faithfulness of God and Christ. Whoa. And the life which I now live, I live, listen to this, and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by 
the faithfulness of God and Christ. This is probably, I'm just quoting the Comfort Manuscripts commentary. This is probably the original wording according to the two earliest manuscripts. Here's a variant reading. A variant reading is, And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faithfulness of the Son of God, upon whom is the ability to live once you are born again, my brothers and sisters, is it upon us? Is, is the ability upon us to listen, to live the life of Christ? Or is it based upon he himself, whose life it is? The faithfulness of God and Christ. The faithfulness of the Son of God. I wanted to read that because when I saw that, I was like, whoa, that's really good. All right, last <clears throat> commentary here. Remember when we began uh, reading the context of John chapter 14, verse 20, in that day you will know, I am in my Father, you are in me, and I am in you. And I began reading with verse 15, where Jesus says, if you love me, keep my commandments. This is the, the New International Commentary on the New Testament for John chapter 14, verse 15. It says, uh, Jesus basically right here says, his language evokes the covenantal language of the Hebrew Bible in which the people of Israel are repeatedly characterized as those who love God and keep his commandments. And it goes on. See, for example, Exodus chapter 20, verse 6. This is the NIV, where the God of Israel describes himself as showing love to thousands, to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. It says, see also Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 10, Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 9, and Deuteronomy 11, verse 1. It goes on. The classic statement, perhaps, is the daily prayer known as the Shema. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. That is Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4 through 6. Look at the whole entire context with John chapter 14. In that day, well, what was, what was the verse that we looked at? Verse 9, because I have to go back even further. Verse 9, Have I been with you so long, and yet you have not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father, so how can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father, and the Father in me? But the Father who dwells in me does the works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me for the sake of the works themselves. If you love me, keep my commandments.
And it goes on. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. In that day, you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. And it goes on. The definition, my brothers and sisters, of I'm in my Father, and the Father in me is one. Remember from John chapter 17, that they may be one, even as you and I are one, Father, the Father as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be in us, that they all may be one. I just love that commentary because to me it's like the Lord declaring himself. This is fulfilled at new birth. And this is known in the eternal day which is which the light thereof is the light of his countenance. So that is all that I have for today, for this lesson. And basically all we did was just look at uh, the context of John chapter 14, verse 20. And once again, we, we have reiterated and stated that such a statement is only known in the eternal day of whose light is found, of which light is found in the countenance of Christ himself. This is impossible for us to know, my brothers and sisters, apart from God himself performing a miracle in our heart. But, but Jesus did not say, you will not, you cannot, you will never. No, he said, in that day, you will know. So, <clears throat> please present this to the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit can take that whichever He desires to take, whatever He desires to take, use it for God's own end and God's own purpose. Amen? The Lord bless you. We'll see you in our next lesson. Amen.